I think we're recording. <laughs> I don't do this very often. Um, yeah, I can tell. I got a notification that you're recording. Got a notification. All right. Well, I'll just trim this beginning. Um, hello and welcome to the Seeking Health podcast with Josiah Meyer. I'm your host, Josiah Meyer. Seek health, find God, and ministries will find you. And as you know, as you've been listening to this podcast, um, the new direction for this podcast is really seeking health. And I want to find health for myself, for my family, for my marriage. And um, my conviction is that as I seek health and as I put authenticity front and center, I'm going to find a deeper relationship with God. And then life is going to work its way out i'm going to find the ministries and the life purpose i need um the slight hitch in this is that as i've been pursuing health and i've been taking away things that are not healthy starting with being on support and being in a ministry that wasn't quite fitting and and then looking at some things from my background um and childhood that needed to get fixed it's been hard to know where do you stop? Where do you stop digging? Where do you stop cutting things away? Um, and uh, it's it's a big question. Um, and when I get to big questions, I there's a few people I turn to, one of which is Merle. And I just want to introduce Merle to, uh, to my listeners. Uh, Merle is a pastor that's been my pastor for two and a half decades i'd say and um you're kind of a pastor of pastors you're you're one of those guys in town that that a lot of people look up to and uh, so i want to turn to you and ask you a question that i know it i would i would be very awkward if somebody asked or i would be intimidated by this question um i hope that doesn't intimidate you too much but you did have warning um is Christianity healthy and when I say Christianity I mean especially like evangelicalism our brand we're both kind of evangelical is evangelicalism healthy uh is it healthy with some caveats um how much of this can stay because from where I'm sitting there's a lot of things that aren't healthy so how would you answer that question is it is evangelicalism healthy I, yeah, I, I, I feel like a lot of us struggle with things that aren't healthy and asking a question, uh, uh, in a general term about, uh, a very large category of people is difficult, but I certainly understand why you're asking and uh and it's not just you that asks the question like that uh evangelicalism as a label to me has a lot of problems uh these days so um first of all i will say that i do not feel motivated to salvage or reclaim uh, the evangelical label for a community of people. So, in a way, I'd rather uh, 
steer the question a little bit differently, but I'll try not to do that. It's your podcast, and I'll try to... Any way you want. I know that the question itself is a little bit unfair, um, but it's the question I have. (laughs) So, you know, you can critique my question all you want. Well, I'm glad if you break into my comments like that, too, because um, I can kind of get going and and stop uh, (laughs) and maybe not stay on track all the time. There are a lot of unhealthy things about what is known as the evangelical church. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll start with that. And in fact, there's enough problem with, with the general uh, perception of evangelicalism, North American evangelicalism, that uh, I, uh, I want to distance myself uh, in many ways from what people perceive to be evangelicalism. Um, and, and I, I really, uh, yeah, I'm just almost unequivocally, uh, feel that way that, that, that label is something that may have had a good, may have had a good definition or a good, uh, underpainting at one point, but um, it's just—it's really sad to me what what that means now. So um, there's so much that's developed in the culture of evangelicalism and and the American North American version of it that uh, that it's really it. It's really problematic, and uh, in my view. So, is it healthy? Um, what are probably, some of those things? Because I have a long list. I have yeah. I made a list of all the things I find unhealthy, and um, I don't know. I'd be curious what you think are kind of the top couple things that are really unhealthy that make you say you want to unequivocally distance yourself from evangelicalism? I, I wanted, I want to distance myself from the, um, from a, a systemic or a system or a set or a category of, of, uh, values and actions and perceptions but I don't want to distance myself from all the people who have mm-hmm. flaws um, I it, and so the things I want to distance myself from are the especially the American version of the church in a general way, um, the the idea that that uh, that we make that the that that the teachings of Jesus, the life and the values and the priorities that that Jesus had uh, are just uh, shaped to fit what works uh, inside of capitalism and power structures 
of of American North American uh, definition and and what are termed uh, religious freedoms. Those things, those things as a, as a, 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 as a set of priorities instead of starting with the intrinsic value of the things that Jesus modeled and taught and, and held up, instead of starting with that, uh, it's just so easy to, to protect what, what we value, which actually become idolatrous, and then, and then just adjust who Jesus is um, and what he taught and valued until it fits. And uh, I, that's, that's generally pathetic. And I'm guilty of it in some ways because I don't see my own flaws as well as you see mine. And, uh, but I think there's just a culture developed of of that kind of thing, first of all. And then, as you've mentioned before, and as we both know, just a, a culture of protecting and and uh, even, uh, even rewarding uh, uh, leaders and influential people who may get a job done, but do it at the expense of of doing things in the way of Jesus or doing things with integrity and with transparency and openness. So, uh, yeah, what's, what feels to me is so pathetic is, is that, is that it, 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 the, the integrity of the, of the church and of what is known as evangelicalism is something that that younger generation sees right through and 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 finds terribly disappointed disappointing and and uh inauthentic in so many cases and and then even for myself at at my age, I'm I'm a few months away from being seventy years old, and I I am still just blown away, and kind of come to the place where nothing will shock me about yet another yet another prominent evangelical voice or influencer who ends up uh, or or wh who's whose institution or whose whose agency has been protecting and uh, 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 and and keeping uh, the the dark secrets or the dark side of that person's life and and behavior a secret from from the general public at, uh, of, in order to protect their institution or their their so and I've I've talked too long now. Um, what, no, that's fine. Where? Yeah. What do you want to do with that? Well, those are a lot of things. It. 
I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate somebody like you saying that they see a lot of the same sorts of things I see. Um, it, uh, you know, there's a time to, I don't, I don't think I'm looking for perfection. Um, I think it's unreasonable. And I've said this many times that you can't compare uh, an actual system to a utopia. And I think that's something we do often yeah. as we say, well, it's not perfect. And you have to say, well, what do you, what is perfection? Like we're human people and, and you're going to have corrupt people at the top and you're going to have money and you're going to have sex and you're going to have all the things. Right. Yeah. So just to a certain extent, I, I understand um, like it's not, there, there is no perfect system. There is no perfect church. There is no perfect church subculture. Um, but we are kind of at a place where, and I appreciate you mentioning the younger generation because I'm kind of in between and, and I've been that guy who's been a, youth, a campus pastor for a long time. And so I'm, plugged in with the older generation who for the most part has been my supporters and I'm also plugged in with the students and I'm hearing like this huge disconnect um, from what the younger generation is seeing and the the older generation that's running things what um, so like some of the things that that have bothered me in, the, in these last couple months as being unhealthy is just why is it that ministry is so toxic to the families of the people in ministry? Like this isn't for you to answer right away, but just kind of my list. Like these are the things that just, I don't understand why if we claim to have the answer for, you know, a healthy family, healthy marriage, why is it that it's so hard to have a healthy family in ministry? Um, it also seems to be really hard personally to maintain, like to not burn out. Like there's so many people in ministry that burn out. Why is that? I don't know. Uh, it seems to be that there's more pastors that burn out than there are mechanics that burn out. You know, like it's, there seems to be a correlation. Um, it seems as though uh, the more that I learn about victims and abuse, it seems like, um, and this does kind of tie in with what you said with Jesus. It's, it seems like Jesus was on the side of protecting those who were abused, especially women and Samaritans and people that didn't have power and, and the sick, you know, the lepers uh, and against the institution. And I, I feel like we're kind of on the other side of that. Like it seems like we're not standing up for victims like we should. And I, maybe I need to explain that more. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Um and women, um, it feels as though, and this is something that took me a long time to come around to because I've heard it so much and I've resisted it so much. Um, but I do kind of feel like the church, even the more progressive churches, um, it's a better place to be a man than it is to be a woman. Um, as far as well, purity culture, some of the expectations that are put on women often, um, again, talking about the victimization and, and the protection that we would hope to be there and sometimes isn't, teachings about submission that can be a little bit unhelpful. Um, and then just 2020 has just kind of blown my head um, as far as, you know, the way that people have not gone along with 
what the medical establishment has said is the best thing to do, I feel like there's a lot of people that are balking and it's fine to have a discussion, but there's a lot of people that are just flatly saying, I do not trust what the medical establishment says. I do not trust the government. And of those people, a disproportionate number are evangelical Christians on my Facebook feed. Anyways, it seems to me, and it seems to me that a disproportionate number are now buying into conspiracy theories and are now getting hyper-political, but hyper-political in a way that is really unbalanced and is um, it, it's just a little bit difficult to watch. It, it feels like... Um, you know, so I, I just, I feel like saying I'm not with these people <laughs> when I see people yeah. um, using their social media or a, as a way to say, I will not wear a mask. This is my right. Um, and, and then they get into these pretty wild conspiracy theories about, you know, QAnon and thinking that there's this, there's kids being yeah. smuggled yeah. with Wayfair and, you know, that's a whole other topic. But um yeah now i've talked too much <laughs> no 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 that's fine go go for it yeah i i don't know like there is no perfect system there is no perfect church there is no perfect group of people if you take a hundred people at random and throw them in a group and say okay you're you're part of this group pretty soon i'm going to be embarrassed to be part of the group because there's yeah. embarrassed people in it right yeah. but i feel like there's like we're more embarrassing than the general population on some issues. And especially 2020 has kind of highlighted some of those issues for me. And um, I don't know what to do with it. I like, I just, I don't know what to do with it. Uh, yeah. I, I've been, I've been an evangelist. I've been a missionary. I've been an apologist for a very long time. And for the first time in my life, I feel like, like, am I, I don't know I feel like I'm promoting something that I, I'm not excited about this group of people right now. And I'm still really excited about Jesus. I'm just, you know, what, what do you do with that? Yeah. Well, I, I wonder some of the same things um, when, when, I, when I see social media. And, uh, in fact, um, for about two weeks now, maybe yeah, more than that uh i have i have decided i will not scroll down through facebook anymore i will i will just not scroll down through it and so i do miss things that i wish i'd see but some of the kind of things that you're talking about even coming from uh friends and and close relatives of mine um I, I just, I, I can't take it anymore. I can't, uh, and I want to know what's going on, but it's so, it's so troubling that I don't know what to do with it in a, in a larger, like in a systemic, uh, like in responding to, to what is a st systemic thing or, or feels like it's systemic feels like it's so pervasive that that it it's overwhelming or it it feels pointless so 
uh, I don't know the answer, all the answers to your question, but what, what I have, what I have decided to do, uh, partly for my own sanity and, and just to know how to, how to engage in a way that, that at least for now feels to me like, uh, like, hey, a, a a fruitful or a, a worthwhile way to engage is is to remind myself that there's a much bigger story than the evangelical story. I back up to the point of of at least uh, at one point to say the things that Jesus modeled and taught and began are not flawed intrinsically there there there's not something there that that is that is going to pop up sometime later and and just poison or or grow a cancer in that system it's not what he did so i know the story is is okay in its beginning i know that the the narrative is trustworthy but as you and i know and as you've pointed out it was just it was within the first uh phase of jesus of what jesus started the movement that he started that things that, that the poison that the that the things that started to to undermine and and work against the system were already resident within that new movement and so uh that that's both discouraging and encouraging in a way but i try to remember that the North American church, the description of the church around the world, uh, the, the version that you and I are most familiar with and the version that we most see uh, on our social media pages is not the And that... <laughs> That for me, at least, is a is a good reminder. There are a lot of people in this world who don't see it through the lens, who don't respond to Jesus, who don't live out the the values uh, uh, that Jesus uh, taught and 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 modeled. They don't live it out through the the the, the uh, on the on the basis of what the North American church does so that that's encouraging but often not terribly practical i know because i'm here and you're here and and this is what we this is what we live with for me go ahead if you want no if you have something to, to ask, well i have for it yeah the the question, I mean, the, the observation is, yes, but American evangelicalism is driving the boat. So, yeah. you know, like, you can say, well, I just, 
I, I just am going to distance myself from that. But if you know anything about American evangelicalism, you start seeing it everywhere. I mean, our kids listen to Adventures in Odyssey, which is produced by Focus on the Family, which is produced by James Dobson, who is very political, you know, in his orientation. And, you know, we listen to various pop Christian music and, you know, those have ties back to whoever's in charge in Nashville. And, you yeah. know, we listen to, to people online, you know, enjoy their sermons, Mark Driscoll and John Piper and, and people like that. But then you start realizing how they're all tied in with this as well. Um, and even even if you don't, even if you, well, I'm just going to listen to my pastor and listen, you know, just the local church. But the local church it you know the who wrote the songs and when the pastor is preparing who wrote the concordance like we're all tied in uh and the americans uh, although we're canadian the americans have a disproportionate market share of the production of everything like they are in the driver's seat so it's hard to yeah i guess that's just a, an yeah. observation i i don't no, know i i i i you're right and I get that. And uh, I I feel like uh, voices like yours should help influence. Uh, I, I, I think, of, and and I think voices like mine should help influence. And all of us have to decide at some point how. How much? Uh, how, how long? How long do we go ahead and invest in something that that doesn't seem uh, worth investing in? That we say that's enough. But for for me, um, I look back and and I I noticed that in in the very first phase of the church. There weren't many people who saw the issues, who, who saw the problems that needed to be addressed. Didn't seem like the average, the average church member in the Church of Corinth didn't didn't realize what was going on. Somebody had to point it out, and not even all the apostles seemed to understand all the issues all the time. And so at different times, different ones of them uh, were, the, were the voices that said, hold it here, things are not going well. So uh, I, can't, I can't say for you how, how long it, uh, you know, what, how long do you keep investing in something? How long do you keep trying to uh, be a voice when it seems so pointless, so hopeless to to bring about any change? And then I'm sometimes encouraged, like I was just last week when I uh, shared a video message with someone, and then you know, even even another part of the country was even in the U.S. of A. for that matter, and and actually, people said, "Wow, thank you. Uh, that helps. That brings perspective." And and 
so I I choose to I I I choose to uh, try to to be a voice to try to call and we will do it differently you and I but uh, to 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 make to try to call people to what really ought to be rather I'm not trying to salvage uh, I think I said it before I'm not trying to salvage the evangelical label or make it something that the world will eventually respect because I'm not sure that's possible but I really hope to be part of a church that young people will say has integrity and that uh, even the world will say that's that's the real deal. Uh, I don't mean just the local church. I just mean part of a community, part of a faith community that that someone can say and can ask me hard questions and can say, actually, there are, there are many weaknesses, there are many problems there, but but that's the real deal. That's what I hope to be a part of. If, if the problem started so quickly within Christianity, as you mentioned, how do you, how do you, how do you defend yourself against the critique that maybe Jesus' ideas just don't work in our world? Like, how did we get here if the if the message was so good how did we get here i think uh i think part of it is illustrated uh, by the 12 people he called together and and one of them was fatally flawed uh, i think i think our our idea that Christianity fixes things and Christianity or following Jesus fixes us um, or makes us uh, exactly what we ought to be. Uh, I, I think maybe we're 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 talking about things that that just don't <laughs> just don't hold up in the test of of time, even in the test of, of the first years of the movement Jesus started. And, and I'm not so sure, I'm not so sure it, uh, the problem is that God and Jesus Christ, the head of the church, is, is so upset that we aren't everything he wished we were. I don't think that's the problem. I think the problem is that people have projected uh, 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 I have helped project an unrealistic version of what what people become uh, by being a Christ follower uh, now that's not to make excuses and say we there there's no there's no difference it's just that the message that that Jesus fixes us, uh, that, that starting on a path in a relationship with Jesus Christ is a means of, 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 of fixing my emotional and, 
and physical and mental problems really quickly, maybe that's the biggest problem is is what we said about it because I don't think I don't think his I it's my faith, I know, but I don't my faith is that the movement he started was not fatally flawed. It's just that we thought it would do things to people instantly that it doesn't do to people instantly. Maybe that's part of it. It's partly a question more than it is a statement. Well, yeah, I, um, I actually played through this conversation in my mind before we did it. And then you said something like that. And then I wrote a blog post about what you, <laughs> what I imagined you saying, but it came out a little bit differently the way you said it, which made sense. The in-person you made more sense than the person in my mind. This is not making sense what I'm saying. But what I imagined you saying was something like, um, why do you have such high expectations of Christians, of Christian leaders? And what I answered back was, it's because they have such an appalling lack of humility in what they claim the Christian message can do. Yeah. Because if you've been around evangelicalism they claim to have all the answers for marriage they claim to have all the answers for family you know how to raise your kids how to have the perfect sex life once you're married how to do finances well how to um you know have a, a community and, and meaningful relationships and and how to um you know protect your kids sexually and how to you know the answers for gender orientation and um, you know, I have made a whole list here. I won't go through the whole thing, but, oh, science. And, you know, like, mm -hmm. we don't believe in, in evolution. And here's the whole, all the books and all the arguments to prove that the earth is only 6,000 years old. And, and, and then depending who you hang out with, there's also medical stuff, you know, and there's buy our products and, you know, here's these herbal supplements that we got got from reading a bible passage and, and you don't have to go to the doctor you can pray and like depending where you go it's a one-stop shop solution claim not only and then counseling is another thing don't go to secular counselors go to your pastor your pastor has the answers for your mental health and and you know on and on it goes and so yeah i have high expectations it's because I have received the message, and I think I'm not the only one that's received the message that the church is going to answer not just some of my questions, but all of my questions. And I think what you just said, you, you already answered this question, and now I'm, and things are all backwards right now. But um, I think what you're saying is that we're just expecting too much. And I mean, maybe you could elaborate on that. Like, how do we know? what we should expect from Jesus and what we should not expect from Jesus. Like, how do you draw that line? Like, well, that, that, that's a hard, uh, that's a hard question because, but in a way it is. Um, the thing I don't want to do is compartmentalize life and just say, well, Jesus is only for the, for the this this little uh, spirituality segment of my life, and uh, he's only about 
my eternal destiny. Uh, the rest of it, I'll figure out in other, I'll put it, it belong in other categories and I have other authority sources for that. I, I want to see my life as my life as holistic, but I don't expect that my, that my knowledge of Jesus and his values is going to ensure that I always make good investment decisions or that I always buy a car that doesn't that isn't a lemon or that doesn't have a problem and that my my family will never experience any kind of mental health challenges or or other health challenges um i think i think faith is uh, 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 walking with god from the beginning of the biblical story, if we read the, if we read the biblical story, rather than looking for the biblical uh, platitudes and principles and laws, we will see that from the beginning, God has been faithful to people who who respect and honor him and give their allegiance to him. And he didn't fix their lives. He didn't just magically put every part of their lives together or demand that every aspect of their lives was like a textbook Christian story. It, it's that, that's not the stories of the people in the in the scriptural in, in in scripture it's broken hurting people that that um that were that that found that it's worthwhile to align themselves with god and and rather than fight against him and and try to do things uh, in opposite ways of theirs. It wasn't a, a way of getting their lives fixed in every way. It was a way of, 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 of having a higher level of, of purpose and, and, um, yeah, uh, purpose and, and, and fulfillment in life. Mm-hmm. Even without, even with issues, even with problems. Mm-hmm. Is it a little bit like, like you're a friend um, and I consider you to be a good friend uh, and I consider my life to be richer having you as a friend. Um, but I don't expect you to fix everything about my life as much as, Sometimes I have a problem and, and you're the person I, I turn to, you know, to, to help me fix it. And I wonder if sometimes we turn to Jesus. Um, I don't know what analogy I could use. Um, well, maybe like money. <laughs> you know, if you, if, you, if you have enough money, you kind of turn to it and expect it to fix everything. Not just one problem, but kind of everything. Are you yeah. still there? 
Okay, yes, he's, I'm here. You weren't moving for a bit, but um, whereas maybe Jesus wants to come into our lives, not like money that would just kind of solve all of our problems, but as a friend that is um, that is with us. I, I guess maybe what that analogy misses is the sense of guidance um, and moral compass, but but maybe I mean some friends are that moral compass though. Some friends, mm-hmm. I'm kind of talking out loud here uh, or thinking yeah. out loud, and maybe it is again a sense of unrealistic expectations that some people build up um, in this kind of sales pitch of you know join my church and here's all the things you're going to get. Um, maybe it's just not realistic sometimes. I I think that's part of it. That's. In my view, that that's part of what is so so hard for us is to put all this together uh, when we're talking about a being like we understand, or at least like most of us understand God in the Trinity to be. Um, it is it is a lot like having a friend. It is a lot like having someone who is there when we need him, and but it's it it also is about uh, and a, a creator, uh, the, the the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, I believe. Um, so. So there's there's this there's this un- unbelievable or a really sort of an amazing uh, uh, status or difference between uh, this God of the universe who was there before, but it but it is also the the like you described it um he came as a as a human incarnate to be among us and to be that that presence and that through the holy spirit and otherwise i'm not trying to get all um tell the whole story here but i i think it is a combination of things and it I I feel inadequate to describe how this all how this all works but I do feel we te- we have told the story the the evangelical version of the gospel has been very very uh <laughs> misrepresented in in my view and a lot of what we're a lot of what we're dealing with today it hinges on that that simplistic boiled down truncated version of um, that that basically says god is sending everyone to hell but you don't have to go that's the way that i summarize the 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 basic message 
of the evangelical version of the gospel. And I'm, I, I'm resisting that. I'm trying to correct it. I'm trying to help. But I think that's at the heart of, of what has happened. The culture that has developed is the version of gospel that is, is basically boils down to that, that that's what people hear us saying. And, and for some of us, that's about the best we can do is, is put it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we had talked about this a couple weeks or a couple months ago. Um, and I kind of put it to rest in my mind. And as you mentioned that, I just realized, wow, that is so much more because you're right that we have such a, a burning understanding of everybody's going to hell. God is mad. Uh, the only way to escape from God's wrath is by running to Jesus and saying the prayer. And so the most important thing in the world is to make as many people as possible say the prayer. And whatever techniques you use to get people to say the prayer, just get them to say the prayer. After that, you know, they're good. Um, that's really all that matters is just getting them to say the prayer, get into church and say the prayer. Um, and there's so many things that are wrong with that. One of which is that I don't think that's, you know, Jesus, I don't think that's anywhere in the framework of what Jesus was doing um, to get people to make mental assent to something. He was talking about a way of life. And, you know, Jesus talked about, pastors will often say, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else. And it's true. But, but when you look at the actual passages and how Jesus talked about hell, it's nothing like a hellfire brimstone sermon. Not, because there's no not in the slightest. There's no getting out of it. There is definitely no getting out of it based on lip service. That's um, right. In fact, it's quite the opposite of that. Yeah. And that's a and, whole nother. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and shocking as it may sound to most uh, modern evangelicals it's not it's not connected with uh, a faith alone grace alone kind of message of Jesus either his references to hell uh, were specifically this uh, toward the people who who did who used their power and privilege and uh, and missed seeing uh, those who were suffering right under their noses, as in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, for example, and even the 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 references in Matthew uh, twenty five. Um, same thing. Anyway, I agree with you um, that the the way we tell the story just just has no no precedent in the New Testament um, in a general way. And it's, this is another thing it took, this is maybe too much to bring in at this point of the podcast, but um, yeah, it, people have been saying for a long time and I've not been listening that the way that we tell the gospel story is not emotionally healthy. And I have said, yes, but 
you know, there's wrath of God and the grace of God are equally balanced. But when you actually step back and look at it, there is something very unhealthy about, emotionally unhealthy about having such a fear that God is going to stomp on us for apparently fairly arbitrary reasons and all of us equally. And that the only way to get out of that is, is this, you know, this gift that requires nothing of us. It's, Now I want to take all that back because the way that I said it wasn't quite right. It's not that I it's not that it's not that I don't agree with that part of the message. It's that it seems like that's the only message and that there is it's not connected to the holistic gospel message. It's it's just no. this this transactional thing. Yeah. Um and it and it, it just provides a very um like like if that's if that was a family it would be an abusive family like let's just say it like it is if if the only way that dad will not beat you and lock you in the outhouse all night is if one of the kids steps up and says dad beat me instead that's not healthy right and so if that's yeah. what the message is that's that's not emotionally healthy um yeah well, yeah, it has it has evolved uh, into yeah. I know we're we're both in danger of saying things we wish we would said differently uh, when when we get into some of this. But uh, by by truncating the message and my YouTube channel, I cover some of this um, from one of the winter classes I did. It's called the church and the kingdom in case somebody wants to look at it. But uh, just, just. How do you find your YouTube channel? Just look at Merle Nisley. Let's do a search on YouTube for Merle Nisley. And there aren't a lot of things there, but, and I'm not 100% proud of everything that's there, but like, like almost anything. I, I'm, anyway, um, if, if we could just, if we could just, back up and and look at the story differently look at the story the way the bible the story in the bible unfolds rather than just uh picking out the parts that that will be for my benefit for my uh personal uh escape from god's wrath and see that there actually is a purpose there's a mission there's there there's a grand plan that is way bigger than to save me and i benefit from that salvation but the salvation is is cosmic it's not it's not me and then uh, everything else uh, benefits from it. It's the other way around. God has a massive plan to to reconcile everything to Himself, and I benefit from that. Yeah. Um. 
I almost regret stumbling onto a topic that I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> because uh, we, I, I did that. I hijacked uh, it, I think. I'm not sure. But it's it's fair to put them here, especially in conversation with because we have talked about this. And um, I, I don't know how to shovel out from what I said, except just to say that I feel like it's too simple. I think that's fair to say it, the way it's yeah. it's often is too simple and it's not it doesn't push us to healthy places. When I think about the time I went through burnout, when I think about the time that I went through, you know, so much stress that I had a full body rash for like six months, it was because of this this intense focus on hell and getting people saved and getting people to say the prayer and is so disconnected from a normal healthy life uh and, and um i'm just not sure that that's really what jesus has for us but yeah. um maybe getting back to our previous discussion like for a long time i've been pretty happy pretty content with the answer that jesus you know is god made man and he comes to live with imperfect people. I'm an imperfect person. I live with imperfect church family. And we're all just doing the best we can. Um, and I'm not sure exactly why, but at a certain point, that answer feels insufficient for me. Um, because it, it feels as though... Um, it feels as though at some at some level, I need to believe that christianity is net positive for the world you know like the the negative needs to outweigh the positive or yeah it has to be a net i know that some people are really a step back but hopefully some people are two steps forward and it, it all levels out and i do want to mention before we're done here that this has nothing to do with the local church almost nothing to do with yeah. the local church yeah. love the people here um this is not anything i i Okay, I'm glad that you said yes so quickly. Perhaps it's obvious. I mean, I'm very plugged in with, and I've been all my life been very plugged in with the larger evangelical community, and it's just, it's everything, you know, and, and I love individual people. It's just, um, it's everything. <laughs> and at yeah. a certain point, um, like I just did a podcast with my wife on uh, Plexus, and it reminded us it's MLM company selling products, you know, Yeah. reminds us of a time selling Norwex and um, MLM company that my wife was selling for a while, microfiber cloths that would wash your glasses and wash your house and whatever. And it was like $50 per, per cloth. And they were supposed to do everything amazingly. And for a while we believed it and for, and they were good cloths, but then one day I went to the bargain shop and saw that you could buy four of them for 20 bucks. And I thought, what are we doing? You know, and, and at a certain point it seemed like, like it wasn't a net positive. It wasn't a good thing to be selling anymore. And um, yeah, it's just kind of, I've always kind of told people like, just come to Jesus and find a church. You know, and here's the evangelical community, and there's lots of wonderful materials in evangelicalism, and um, that's kind of where I'm struggling now. Yeah. 
Well, the way you, I can't quote you the way you started out that, that description of, of, uh, come to Jesus and yeah, it does, it does feel like that's, that's, that's not a really, uh, yeah, it's it's not a really full uh, sales pitch uh, in mm. in a lot of ways, and I think it's possible that that when we've practiced telling the story in in such a a, a fixated way with one particular outcome that matters only it's it takes a while to to understand is the whole story uh less than than uh, than genuine or or is it is it me getting the story right uh finally or getting closer to getting it right i don't know if any of us will will just get it right uh yeah. but uh so i yeah i i think i understand that struggle and um but i i i went that direction because back to start with about the story because i think that's foundational i think that's that's one of the the building blocks that has developed our culture to the way it is is that version of the gospel allows or just uh, evolves into a, a system an evangelical system that that has become what it what it is and so yeah i don't want to go on and on with that because that's that's a whole that's a that's a big big topic in itself mm -hmm. well i received that and that's actually an interesting this is why i talk with you because you say interesting things um that's interesting to re reflect that i myself am doing and have been doing a fairly two-dimensional presentation of the gospel and i have been and i know that i have been too focused on intellectual assent and just answering people's intellectual problems and getting them to the point where they say okay i'll come to jesus instead of looking more at what is jesus larger message to us as a people what is jesus larger message to us as a society and to me as a white privileged male in this society what does jesus say to me as somebody as a broker of power this is something that i haven't given adequate thought to before 2020 and some of the things that um that are happening this year and there's a lot of ways when you stop to think about it that jesus does speak to us and to me um not as somebody who is going to come in like a million dollars and fix everything, but as somebody that's going to come in like a prophet. Actually, um, I'm talking to you, and mm -hmm. I, 
I want to work with you and be your friend, but also there's things that I want you to change and there's people that I want you to pay attention to and I want you to pay attention to how you use your power. Um, so maybe it is having a broader message, first of all, for myself, and then also as I speak, to speak the larger message, the prophetic message of Jesus, instead of just the, you're a sinner, say this quick prayer, then you're good, and then you can go on with your life however you want, um, which is kind of the message that that sometimes gets preached. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. That's one of the ways in which I believe the, the North American Evangelical Church has, like, there's in in values and in pursuits, in personal uh, life mission uh, for so many people. And I know this is a dangerous generalization, but for so many people, the only difference between an evangelical North American and a non-even non a non-church or uh, without faith North American is that one of them says, I'm going to heaven when I die, and, and the other one doesn't know or doesn't care. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and that's, that's really, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really sad. Uh, but... At the same time, yeah, we yeah, that we also have so much in common with with each other, whether we're people of faith or not. Uh, there's and and we also need to to build on that commonality and and the fact that we are we are humans uh, experiencing many of the same things. together and it makes it yeah it makes a big difference whether we perceive an overarching reason an overarching uh, mission uh, a, a central guiding purpose for life and I don't just mean ending up in the right place mm -hmm. what do you mean for the central overarching meaning of life. I believe oh, you're you're starting in on another uh, important <laughs> in thing. In three but, minutes. <laughs> okay. Let's just let's focus on the on the I would focus then on the answer to that question is uh, is the the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, numerous times, especially Apostle Paul talks about how God intends to reconcile all things to himself, whether in heaven on, and one place says whether in heaven and, or on earth. And so his, his idea of, of the story coming back around to to things being right with God 
all things being right with God is the ministry of reconciliation. It's we are we are invited to participate in a story that ends well and that uh, that actually provides what every human longs for uh, in in every way even as a as a mission as a purpose not not just an instantaneous or quick fix thing but we we have a reason to participate in in restoring and and uh, bringing into into relationship with God all things and that includes all the all the the the, the issues the hard things the whether it's our world whether it's uh, our relationships whether it's our families uh, yeah I don't I don't know how to do all of that I don't know how to participate in all of that but that's that's what I believe is there as a as a, a, a an overarching and a, a guiding sense of mission but something like well, I mean, Jesus in his first sermon said, I've come to preach to the poor and to preach deliverance and uh, however yeah. that verse goes. Um, yeah. Concern for the weak and oppressed and um, reconcil reconciling people groups that don't get along um, yeah. and being conscious of our use of power and um I mean, there's, I guess there's so many ways when you start to think about it that you can live a more ethical life and have a more ethical um, message or, or impact in, in how you use your voice and how you, you impact the world. Um, and we can see, if we see, I mean, God is more than an ideal, but God is also the ideal of kind of goodness. If we can see our, our lives kind of pointed towards ultimate goodness and love, you know, um, what would be the most loving, most kind, good thing to do? Um, I think that's something that people could understand and get behind. And whether you're Christian or you're not Christian, I think people would understand, yeah, that is the right thing to do is to live your life in that direction. Um, mm -hmm. And that is, in a sense, bringing about the kingdom of God. Um, is that kind of summarizing what you're saying? That that's helpful. Yeah, that that's that's part of it. I I mean that that's another way to that's another way to say it. I think that's right. I think if we see, uh, I, I think if we see the the the, the bigger purposes um, those things they actually become mostly attractive and I, I, I know that you still have 
we you still have the 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 hurdles, the mental hurdles sometimes of of acknowledging that there is a supreme being that that might be a, a mental hurdle, but um, when we when we realize that that he's he's looking to restore, he's looking to reconcile. And, and that's why Jesus had a key role to play in that reconciliation. It was part of the story. It, it's not the only part of the story. It's a very important part. But, yeah, that's what you quoted, what you said that Jesus said when he began his ministry, or when he read from Isaiah that time in the synagogue. Uh Everybody wants that kind of justice. Everybody mm. would affirm that that that's a good <laughs> that's a good kind of justice and and peacefulness and almost uh, uh, he, he didn't promise that that becomes utopia, but he said that's what I'm here to work at. Mm-hmm. You know, something that occurs to me as we're talking um, is, like, there's times when the church has been relatively pure, like the first couple centuries, relatively speaking, with many caveats. But generally, you a, a Christian could say, come to my church, you know, we're persecuted, we're poor, but it's pure. You know, when Martin Luther began to become more aware of what was going on you know it he took rome as a young priest he took a trip to rome found there was all sorts of immorality all sorts of financial abuses going on there was john tetzel selling indulgences down his street you know get out of hell for a hundred dollars or whatever and there was just so much corruption all over the place which is part of what sparked him to try and and fix the church and then that ended up fracturing the church because people didn't want to change but you know at times when the church is pure they gain they gain momentum on a popular level and that momentum then often leads to the point where the people the christians end up in power but then when christians are in power it tends to bring corruption and then there's a need for people to break away and say, actually, that's not what Jesus is about. Jesus is not about power. Jesus is not about building walls. Jesus is not about protecting our stuff. Jesus is not about our people group being on top of the heap. Jesus is not about um, our even our religion militarily triumphing over other religions. Jesus is not about us being the wealth you know like all these things yeah. that once christianity gets the power it's you know let's start a crusade or an inquisition against anybody that doesn't agree with us and like i wouldn't be as arrogant to say that i should be the next martin luther but maybe i could imagine myself as another german during the time of martin luther saying what in the world am i to do you know with such a corrupt church um, that has bowed down to many idols of power. Um, and, and I would 
I would just straight out say that I think the American evangelical church has bowed down to idols of power, of uh, <laughs> nationalism, of latent racism, um, and and even idols of theology um, yeah. and an intellectualized faith that conveniently puts us off the hook. We are the richest uh, and most powerful people in the world white evangelicals, and yet um, we have a theology that conveni conveniently casts us as the victim so that we don't have to help anybody else. We feel as though we yeah. can use all of our resources to protect poor little old me that, you know, the Antichrist is going to come persecute me, so I need to make sure that I keep all the resources for myself instead of instead of sharing them. And yeah. that's, that, that's very highly disappointing. Um, but it's not the, maybe it's comforting to think this isn't the first time that things have been bad uh, as far as corruption. And maybe it's <coughs> maybe it's just waking up to realize that um, maybe things have gotten worse or maybe I've become more aware. I'm not sure which maybe a bit of both. But yeah. Uh, well, the encouraging thing, like uh, for you to be a, a radical uh, or reformer is that. There are many voices right now. There are, yeah. Just like that, and so there, there it, it, it there are many uh, intelligent and influential people who are seeing the very things you're you're describing the, the idolatry that you named uh, in those categories and others. It is idolatry. It is adultery. It, it's a spiritual adultery. And uh, I gave a message a few months ago at the church here about that spiritual adultery. That's that's the theme of, uh, I mean, that's, that's one of the highlights in the book of Revelation is the whole uh, adulterous relationship uh, with, the systems of the world and uh, anyway uh, not many people notice that in the book of Revelation and and it's just very it's very uh, apparent to me that that we can easily uh, be part of things like that and not realize what's what's happening so I I I agree with you very much. Well, I, I really appreciate this conversation. Um, I've kind of said everything I want to say. Is there anything else you want to say? No, I I feel I'm done for now. <laughs> I, I don't know what I'll hear and, and regret that I have said, but I think for the most part, this is, uh, yeah. I appreciate it. And I'm sorry for uh, hijacking it at certain points or going places that you weren't planning to. But Yeah, no, it's perfect. It's a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for your time. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. I wish we'll you well. Time. Talk okay. to you later. See you.